0: Today's reading is from the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 to 25. Again Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered round him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teachings said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out in the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them.
1: Thank you. Well, let's pray together that God would speak into our lives. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the scriptures. And we pray this morning that you'd send your Holy Spirit to open your word to our hearts and our hearts to your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're continuing our journey through Mark's Gospel. Focusing on discoveries that changed life for good. Now, I know that preachers are prone to overstatement and exaggeration, and I'm no exception to that rule. But it is very hard to think of many things, or even any things, that could impact our lives so much for good as hearing God's voice. Hearing God's voice and listening to God's voice is absolutely a main theme of scripture. And I want to start with some good news because this is going to become quite quickly a challenging talk, I feel. So I want to start with some really good news. God expects us to be able to hear his voice. And Jesus tells his followers they can hear his voice. He says, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. My sheep know my voice and they follow me. And if you know him, he certainly knows how to get through to you. Something I've become more certain of over the years is that Jesus has very individual ways of talking to his sheep. He'll have a Rupert way of talking to Rupert. He'll have an Andrew way of talking to Andrew, a Miranda way of talking to Miranda, etc. But I want us to hold in our heads throughout what I've got to say, Jesus expects us to be able to listen to him and to be able to follow him. And the dividend of hearing God speak is enormous. Scripture tells us that faith comes by hearing. Scripture tells us the unfolding of your word brings light and if ever you and i need re-encouragement that the word of god makes a difference for good all you have to do is start reading psalm 119 it's a very long psalm it's the longest psalm but practically every single verse of that psalm is about the power of god's word Well, having ramped up the importance of hearing God's word and the significance of what happens when we do, wouldn't it be great if God could be here and give us a masterclass on how to do it? Well, he is here, and he has given a masterclass on how to do it in this story, the parable that Jesus tells of the sower. Now, most likely... Very many of us here are extremely familiar with the parable of the sower. But I wonder if you've noticed before that Mark very carefully stacks together stories which are all about listening to God and hearing Him well. That's, then, if you pick that up. But I, I can highlight it too. So this parable begins with the very word listen listen it's going to be a parable all about listening a little way into the story Jesus will say whoever has ears to hear let him hear that's a kind of prod prompt are you yet in tune with what I'm teaching you about again he'll say in verse 23 if you have ears to hear hear and again he'll say in verse 25 consider carefully what you hear So my first point about listening to God and being able to discern his voice is what I fear is rather an annoying point. Step one, we need to be amazingly intentional about trying to discern God's voice. Now like us not, you will have been put through the kind of exercise that I'm about to describe to you or something very similar, they're generally listening exercises. And often you get, or maybe sometimes you get paired off, maybe in just two of you, it might be three of you, and one of you is asked to describe to the other person or to say something about your life, you know, quick, potted history in two minutes. And you're told in advance, when that's finished, you, the listener, is going to tell the third-party person. Yeah. Or maybe just repeat it back to the person who's told you. Now, having been set that exercise, you certainly listen. Because you know you can't blag it. You can't just make up a life story for the person who's been talking to you. So if you're anything like me, even though you detest an exercise like this, you focus in and you listen. And you listen, you make kind of affirming noises and the head moves, Say, mm, mm, how interesting. You encourage them along. And when they've finished, you relay it all back. And whether you found it annoying or fulfilling or whatever is irrelevant because what you've been doing is very intentionally listening. And that's different from just kind of moseying through a conversation where your attention is half elsewhere. If we want to hear God's voice, we're going to have to listen with intentionality and with determination. Was that how you listened to the reading of scripture when it was read just now? Is that how you listen when you have your own quiet time and you open the scriptures, just you and God? Or, and I'm sure we all do this, so I'm not getting at you, or do you just something you get through before you move on to the next thing? Our attitude will matter in this. So if we want to hear God's voice, uh, we have to listen Intently so Jesus tells this parable all about hearing God's voice and listening and it's not difficult for us to understand this story and I'll tell you why because the disciples found it impossible and so they turned to Jesus they said what was that story all about when they were alone and private privately alone with him they said what was that story about and Jesus says don't you understand this parable I mean how deflating to be a teacher you you whack in front of your pupils your best shot and they say Hmm, haven't got it tell me tell me but we're so grateful that they did do that because it pushes Jesus into into actually giving a commentary on his own story and it helps let's just briefly recap this very familiar story you know it so well of course it begins verse 3 listen a farmer went out to sow his seed and the seed falls in six different places and three of them will turn out to be fallow and three of them will turn out to be fruitful and the fallow ones are the path the rocks and the thorns and the fruitful places that yield the fruit 30 fold 60 fold and 100 fold and the very first line of the explanation in verse 14 is the interpretive key the farmer goes out to sow the word now we're going to discover that there are so many things in this story that answer big questions that we might have they certainly answer some of the really major questions I've got questions like why is God's kingdom so slow in coming you know you might be forgiven for thinking after 2000 years we haven't made a lot of progress why is it so slow Why are some of Jesus' followers seemingly so stuck in their Christian life and unproductive? And what can we do to improve our chances of being fruitful? Answers to all these things, at least partially, are given in this story, as we'll discover. Well, let's dive in and look at the three problem categories of soils, or the three difficulties of hearing verse 15 some of the people are like seed along the path where the word is sown as soon as they hear it satan comes and takes the word away that was sown in them this category the word completely fails to penetrate because the devil comes and takes away the word and they never get to believe they don't get it at all i remember once um, meeting up with a friend and uh, he told me oh rupert i've got to read the lesson in church this sunday I said oh great great and he said yeah well it might just as well be written in code I don't understand a word of it and and it was like the the word of God just glanced off him actually (laughs) I remember attending uh, chapel at school for four years hearing preachers talking at the front and I was sitting in the gallery in the choir because we had to be there and none of it went in it wasn't like rebellious Rupert heard the truth thought he understood it and then says no can't be bothered it just didn't go in it just glanced off it it might all have been written in code sometimes you meet people who are kind of dwelling in that place and uh, they want to take you on about the scriptures and they say things about the Bible oh it's full of contradictions of course if you ask them what exactly they haven't read enough to tell you but anyhow they're sure it is or they say oh it's too difficult forgetting that this book yields its treasures to all who seek God with an open heart, regardless of your education or your academic ability or your income. Wanting to meet God, but refusing to read God's word is like saying you want to get to know someone, but you refuse to listen to their voice. It it really is counterproductive. But what can we do for people who are occupying this space and many of us have at some time in our lives I I think we really do have to resort to prayer to pray them into a better place we want to pray that God will bring alongside them some people they'll find credible and people they will respect and people they will listen to sometimes I think we can pray that maybe we can pray that God will present them with some overwhelming challenges because I've known people turn to God when faced with challenges that seem to just be taking over life in their desperation. But the one thing we don't do, I think, is to argue with people who are caught in this position, because at that point, uh, just heaping up arguments will be completely fruitless, and to use a biblical phrase, might be like casting pearls before swine. But we'll move to the second group. The group described in verse 16 and 17, And these are the shallow people, or their roots are shallow, and they are uprooted. Let's read about them. Others, like the seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they've no root, they last only a short while. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now this is very instructive, because the problem here is inadequate roots we see don't we what happens when trees are hit by a wind or a storm and their roots don't go deep enough they just blow over and it's interesting that Jesus analysis is that it's not actually the trouble or persecution that comes that makes these people fall away It's their lack of rootedness that makes them fall away and it's just exposed by the storms and the troubles and trials. I'm sure you've seen this happen. That people set off on the journey of Christianity, of following Christ with huge enthusiasm and a great deal of of joy for a period. But the troubles and the trials that are bound to come, prophesied will come, do arrive... And actually, they're not just the troubles and trials of his life. According to this story, it's the persecution and trouble that comes because of the very word itself. And if your roots don't go deep enough, you are in danger of collapse. I think this is very pertinent to us today. Because anyone who sets out to live life according to God's word you and I are so heavily running against mainstream culture that troubles, trials, and persecutions are bound to come. And we may not have picked—I wouldn't have chosen the skirmish areas. I wouldn't have chosen. You know, I had a choice to pick these areas, but you can't pick where the fight will come. But if you start living your life according to God's word, then the whole realm of personal relationships is going to be very challenging, because Scripture teaches so clearly that sex is for within the context of marriage, and marriage is between a man and a woman. And the moment you start saying that and living it out, you're going to attract persecution and a certain degree of suffering, or the whole realm of salvation. Salvation, according to a Christian, comes from no one else apart from Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and resurrection. But the moment you start saying that with boldness and clarity, You're running right against the culture. And of course, another test that comes our way, and it's not easily brushed aside, it's just a simple test of suffering. And there is no easy, one-line, glib, slick reply that can satisfy when faced with the reality of suffering. To prevail in the light of all of this, our roots need to go down deep. So, the message of this soil is don't grow deaf, return to your roots. And that's why week by week by week we try, try, try to open the scriptures to make sure that our roots are going down deep. Well, we'll move now to the third category the tone deaf. And here Jesus describes a very common problem we all have experienced, I expect, where you can't hear clearly because other noise is distorting what's going on i'm sure we've all been in a room where the general vo- volume of distraction and noise is so high you haven't got an earthly chance of hearing anyone else speak you can try speaking to yourself and you can't hear yourself and what jesus is saying is that can happen to the word of god And and the image he uses is like seed sown amongst thorns. Difficult to get at, difficult to actually see because of all the thorns. Now I find this particular category alarming. And one of the things I find alarming about it is that Jesus highlights three kingdom chokers. And the thing that's alarming is they're so pedestrian. Pedestrian So ordinary, so everyday. It appears that the very things that could make me deaf to God's voice—they just accumulate in the same way that, say, um, fur accumulates in your kettle when you're living in a hard water area. You know, just every day there's an accretion, and and it grows. And I'm going to describe them to you because Jesus talks about them, and if you like. I'm not sure I do like but you can use the image these, these three are like the Japanese knotweed of a Christian life you know you really do not want them growing in your spiritual hinterland one of the things about weeds is you don't have to be skillful to grow weeds they arrive they're just there you have to work constantly to keep them out though there is no season where they don't seem to grow prolifically So here here are these three pedestrian things. A, the cares of this life, says Jesus, can stop you hearing God's voice. Worry. It's a sad discovery that we all make that never seems to be a day, uh, never has been and never will be, when all the cares of this life are put to bed and you and I sit down unencumbered and everything's honky-dory. Uh, That day is not going to arrive. And it's one of the most acceptable things in the world for people to get together over a cup of coffee or something like that and exchange worries. It's a good game. No one needs to teach you the rules. You pour out your heart with all your worries. The other person says, there, there, how terrible, how awful. And then you have your turn and you cap them with your worries too. Then you leave the cafe fully dissatisfied with life but having done your job. Now, the whole of culture knows about this but Jesus tells us worries will make you deaf to his voice he says Jesus that's not the thing to do and and he has a, a, a couple of of things he, he says of course, I mean I, I feel there will be a day when I will preach a whole sermon on worry because Jesus talks about it the whole time but he never says just don't worry He says in many, many, many places, don't worry, but he never says just don't worry. He always tells us what to do instead of worrying. It's like if you said to me, Rupert, don't eat chocolate. There's no chance that I will not eat chocolate unless you tell me what to eat instead. So the thing he says is trade trust for worry. Trust me and then your worries can be seen in proportion and I can carry them. And the second thing he says as an antidote to worry is don't worry about tomorrow because take it one day at a time. The troubles of today are enough to be carrying today. And, and that's all I'm going to say about this category. But I'm highlighting that a soon by worries will soon have a hearing problem. And that's why we have to deal with it. Trade trust for worry. Trust is a very good weed killer when it comes to getting rid of worry. Secondly, Jesus highlights in this category of kingdom chokers, verse 19, the deceitfulness of wealth. Now, I want to make a fairly stark point here. Jesus is basically saying, if you want to make someone indifferent to God, try loading them with riches. Or more accurately, just try loading them with stuff, because it's it's not really wealth... The word really means just literally possessions, stuff. Again, Jesus' teaching about mammon or money or stuff is huge and powerful. But the underlying thing he's saying here is simple. Don't let wealth choke your spiritual health. And the question for us is, where do our best investments lie? Are you investing heavily in hearing God's voice as much as you do in anything else? And it is an interesting phrase that Jesus says, the deceitfulness of wealth. Because it doesn't wear its corrosive qualities on its sleeve, they're hidden. But it is deceitful, why? Because I think that stuff superficially seems to fill in for what only God actually ultimately can provide. Security, significance, pleasure, and the meaning of life what if the cost of our wealth was drowning out God's voice Jesus says that happens it's as if we could eavesdrop a conversation in heaven and it's going on and one of the Godhead is turning to the other say the father to the son and saying when did they stop listening to you father well let's listen in and hear what they're talking about and thinking about The money they do have, the money they don't have, the money they will make, the money they lost, the economy, the next thing they want to buy. Well, the writer of Proverbs put it this way, blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. She's more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. Of course, happily, there's an instant cure for this growing tone deafness, and it's to give stuff away. To put money in its place. Okay, then we move to the third kingdom choker simply the desire for other things. It gets very difficult to hear God's voice accurately if our desires stray onto other things. I find that fascinating actually that Jesus was saying this 2,000 years ago. Somewhere in my kind of mental map, I blame the advertisements that I see I kind of think the reason I find it so difficult to be satisfied is because I'm being bombarded with adverts as telling me if only I owned this or only I lived in that place Uh, so I've been tempted to think it's the day and age we live but evidently it isn't because Jesus was saying to his audience back then 2,000 years ago stop dreaming about that go faster camel and invest in listening to my voice would you it's not difficult to be distracted to the point that you can't hear God's voice. So, just in this little section, it's a good question to ask ourselves. Will what I'm proposing to do with my money, with my time, with my life, will it make it easier or harder to obey God's voice or to hear it? And let's set ourselves the ambition that actually we want to model to our families, to those around us, people who really do want to hear God's voice. Well, so much for the challenges, let's just quickly look at the three good soils, the, the 30, 60, and 100 club. I mean, I mentioned at the beginning, this is where Jesus wants us to be. This is his intention. that We should be living in this space. It, it, it's what he makes possible. But we need, we're told, to hear the word and accept it and produce a crop. That is, I think, to actively take it in, to retain it, and do it. So I've got two tips for us in this department. Because I'm sure that there are very many listening to this, and you do daily read the scriptures. You do take it seriously. You, that argument is one. In, there is a section of your day that you really do want to hear God's voice. I found it very useful to say to myself every time that I'm sitting there uh, reading my my bible early in the day before i close the bible or before i get up ask yourself a question so what so what happens now so what changes in my life now now that i've read this so what has god been saying to me through this this morning so what do i know about god that i didn't know before and then the second tip is this and this is absolutely key This could make so much difference to the progress of the kingdom of God in your life, in your family, in this church. This is probably the biggest challenge that you and I will face throughout our lives. When you hear God's voice, obey, don't walk away. Obey, don't walk away. It occurs to me while I'm speaking whether that isn't where the major problem is. The major problem might not be whether you actually hear God's voice. You have heard God's voice. The major problem might be what you do with what you've heard. Whether you will say, yes, Lord. Or whether you'll find all sorts of excuses to wriggle away from what he's actually asking. And I don't expect this to be easy. And the reason I don't expect this obedience to be easy is because we're following a man who talked about picking up our cross daily to follow him. We're talking about following someone who warns us that he leads people down narrow paths with few people on it. But those are the paths of life. And we're talking about someone speaking into our lives who is God Almighty and he's got the right to demand absolutely everything of me because he made me for his pleasure and every day and every breath is a present from him and frankly if God only wanted part of my life I'd be insulted and disappointed if he said Rupert 5% of you will do because I know that you're a lazy so and that wouldn't do if God is really God surely he has the right to say 100% what we should be up to Friends, this is at the heart of fruitful people's lives. In every walk of life, when God speaks to you, say, yes, Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're grateful that that day, so long ago now, you gave a masterclass on listening to your voice. And it occurs to me that maybe... uh, you were speaking from experience that you've heard and seen so many people here and not here when you've been trying to get through to them and we want to thank you that you say you speak to your sheep your sheep know your voice and they follow you and certainly many of us here have heard you speak to us and we've responded to the call your call to come and be friends of yours, come and let you be our Lord and Savior. But we need to say to you today, you're still in charge of our lives. We want to surrender afresh. And Lord, where our roots have not been deep enough, where we've been shallow, we ask you to help us. Where your voice has got drowned out, for whatever reason, We say, Lord, come and improve our hearing. Come and get through to us. Because we want to walk in your ways and grow like you in our nature. We pray in
0: Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.